coming up on Golf Today, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the reigning Masters champion John Rahm is set to leave the PGA Tour and join Live Golf. A full report is coming up next on Golf Today. Golf Today. And welcome into Golf Today. Damon Hack alongside Rich Lerner after a busy Wednesday in our game. There is more news today as the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the two-time major champion and former world number one John Rahm is set to leave the PGA Tour and sign with Live Golf. With more on this story, let's welcome in Todd Lewis from Florida. Todd, you've been on the phone all morning. What can you tell us? Well, actually, David, this has been whispered on the PGA Tour for the last couple of weeks, but now it seems like it's going to be a crescendo. John Rahm's camp has not responded to any questions in regards to Rahm negotiating with Liv Goff over the last few weeks, but I can confirm after talking to several people who are familiar with the situation surrounding John Rahm that Unless there is a pull of the ripcord by either side, which is unlikely to happen, John Rahm is going to be a part of Live Golf moving forward. That official announcement could come as early as today, this afternoon. Now, talking to people familiar with uh, this happening, they feel as if John Rahm has been conflicted. This has not been a no-brainer to sign with Live. Obviously, there is the carrot of millions and millions and millions of dollars, but he has been on record saying that his legacy as a part of the PGA Tour, not Live Golf, when questioned is if he would go and be a part of that Saudi Tour. And also, he is a highly competitive player. As a matter of fact, he was a part of the Player Advisory Council, the PAC, and while there, the PIP money was created, and he didn't want any a part of that, even though he was going to likely get much of that money. He wanted to put that PIP money into purses on the PGA Tour and have players compete for it. But now it looks like John Rahm, in a surprise, is going to leave the PGA Tour and be a part of Live Golf. And there are others who think that Rahm feels as this, that this will force a deal between PIF, the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, and the PGA Tour. The negotiations have continued for months now, and John feels ultimately he may be a able to play on the PGA Tour in the future, but that's to be seen, of course. But right now, he is a giant chess piece in these negotiations. The question is, who's playing chess and who's playing checkers? Todd, help us understand how the Saudis could be poaching one of the tour superstars and, and doing a deal with Jay Monahan at the same time. Rich, I can't confirm that Jay Monahan met with Yasser Al-Ramyan uh, in regards to this week. Uh, they have talked uh, for the last few months. Um, and from what I understand, in talking to people who are in boardrooms in regards to this negotiation, there has been a component that, we, that has been talked about in regards to these negotiations in bringing in other groups possibly, other private equity groups to be a part of this deal so it would not solely be between the PGA Tour and PIF. Now, the Saudis have welcomed those conversations. However, if it's in regards to what percentage of these investments will be coming from these other groups, or if there is speculation that the PGA Tour may just decide to box PIF out and go with these other financial groups, the Saudis are, are, are giving a, an elbow to the ribs of the PGA Tour saying, hey, man, if you box us out, if you push us out of this deal 
we're going to raid your tour and take your players. That's the belief inside the boardroom. So this is a message to the tour that that they really want to make this happen. The Saudis do, but they have in their minds, they have leverage right now in the negotiations. Yeah, Todd, I love your, your reference of this being a, a game of chess, the chess and checkers pieces. So does that mean with this December 31st deadline looming that a deal is, is closer to being done, or is it farther away now after this news today? Uh, David, that is a great question because if indeed, you know, maybe the third most popular player on the PGA Tour, one who is in his 20s still, who has got an incredible future ahead of him, uh, moving to live golf, uh, I, I, it's adding stress to the negotiations. I will say that for sure. And if, you know, the other question is if, it, what is John Rahm going to bring to live golf? Who cannot, that group cannot really commercialize in the United States. Internationally, they're doing pretty good business, but here in the United States, it's been very difficult for that tour to grab any traction. So now paying John Rahm a bunch of money. Is that going to help get them a return on investment here in the United States? That's a big question for the Saudis as well. But as of, is this going to accelerate negotiations? Is this going to push the sides further apart? That is a very good question. This is a fast-moving story. Todd, thank you so much. We appreciate your reporting. You Tell got you it, what, guys. Uh, on the he's out the door meter scale of one to ten, nine being he has gone. John Rahm among the stars looked over the last couple of years like a two, based on what he told us. Official, my one and only time I'll talk about this, where I am officially declaring, let's say, my, my fealty to the PGA Tour. You know, I'm a PAC member, and I have a lot of belief in Jay Monahan and the product that they're going to give us. On the future, so uh, I know it's been a lot of talk and speculation about the Saudi league. This is just not something I believe is is the best for me and my future in golf. And I think uh, the best legacy I can accomplish will be with the PGA Tour. I have no idea. Uh, I've said it many times in press conferences before. I don't do this for the money, which to me is the only appeal to go over there. You know, they throw numbers at you, and that's supposed to impress people. Uh, I'm in this game for the love of golf and the love of the game and to become a champion, right? Uh, I grew up watching many great players play great events such as this one and this history and legacy to those things. So that's something that has a lot of appeal to me. You know... You hear all those things that are going on, oh, like, oh, you know, some players might have signed some NDA, some players might have signed and committed, and uh, I'm somebody who's kind of stayed away from it on purpose. Uh, and some of the things I heard in the rumors coming from Saudi, I thought this would be a pretty good week, especially yesterday we had our first PAC meeting. Um, being a PAC member, I thought, uh, you know, I'm in a situation where it's almost a little bit of my duty to, to make my stand in this sense. So that was February of 2022. Fast forward a year and a half. The framework agreement with the Saudis has been signed, and Rahm was asked this at the Open Championship. Yeah, John, you were um, pretty vocal um, in support of being on the PGA Tour when all this little stuff started, and you never wavered from that. Um, there's been discussion about the possibility of players being compensated for staying, uh, depending on how all this all works out. 
Do you feel like you should be compensated? It's a tricky question. So I understand the PGA Tour wanting to do something for those players who helped and you know, uh, stayed on the PGA Tour, but at the same time, and I'll be the first one to say, I wasn't forced into anything. It was my choice to stay, right? So do I think this absolutely should be and there must be a compensation? No. I chose to stay because I think it's the best choice for myself and for the golf I want to play. Now, with that said, if they want to do it, I'm not going to say no, right? Uh, we all had the chance to go to live and take the money, and we chose to stay to the PGA Tour for whatever reason we chose. And I've said before, uh, I already make an amazing living doing what I do. I'm extremely thankful, and that all happened because of the platform the PGA Tour provided me. So as far as I'm concerned, they've done enough for me, and their focus should be on improving the PGA Tour and the game of golf for the future and generations. A lot has obviously changed. Would this be a good move for Rom? Well, like Brooks Kepka, he gets the guaranteed money and still plays in all the majors, but he likely damages his image, if he cares, as a guy who said one thing and did another, a guy who can be bought. And with eight of the 14 live tournaments overseas, just six in America, he will be out of sight and out of mind until the majors. Rom, as we've heard, always came across as the guy who was focused primarily on legacy. Early in your career, when you're first starting out, did you ever think about the money in yeah. terms of, you know, if I miss this or make, no? You think it's important? It's one of the things that frustrates me while watching this broadcast. Like, we're not thinking if we miss a putt, how much it can cost us money-wise. No chance. Like, none whatsoever. Like, you're trying to finish as high as possible. You're trying to win a tournament. It's, it's one of my pet peeves when they make this tournament all about money, because I think it takes away from it. You, right. you can when you win a green jacket, yeah. I can tell you right now that any major champion this year might not remember how much money they made. right? And that's the beauty about this game, and I think that's kind of how it should be. Uh, obviously, I'm saying that being in an extremely privileged position financially. right? And at that point, from first to second, you're making a ton of money. So it's more about winning than, than the price itself. But you, you can, When you're a young guy, though, and money might the difference might really matter if you don't uh, have any. No, no. I mean, my first pro event, I was flag hunting on the on the last few holes when I had to finish solo second, I would have earned my tour card, and I think I finished tied for third. I ended up ending, earning it a couple weeks after that, but I was going for the win, yeah. and that's... Right, if you, you want to be great, a great player, you're going to have to go for the win instead of yeah. thinking about your bank account. Again, when I turned pro, I was already in a privileged situation because of what I'd done as an amateur, so some brands took a chance on me, and money wasn't an issue like that. A lot to unpack here, Damon. Is John Rahm worth a few hundred million dollars? I think the answer probably is no, but the Saudis can afford to do deals that do not pencil. Uh, bigger picture, this, I think, threatens to damage not just Rahm, as I mentioned, but the PGA Tour and all of professional golf as being greedy. Mm, it's quite a change of opinion as well in, in John Rahm, but we've seen kind of over the last several months and in the last year or so some frustration with the Masters champ in terms of the lack of communication from his perspective, seemingly bristling at times at Rory McIlroy's place in the game and him kind of feeling left out of the discussion, as it were. There are strong, silent types. John Rahm is a strong, sensitive type, and I think he took some of this personally. But make no mistake, if this is rather a leverage play or if this is going to come to fruition and come to pass, 
This is a huge coup for Liv and a huge loss for the PGA Tour. You're talking about a big name global player, 11-time winner on the PGA Tour with a green jacket in his pocket. He's got a, a, an American wife. He is bilingual, educated at ASU. He is one of the most recognizable, no most impactful players in this game. Win for live, yes, but there is no evidence, Damon, that people are watching, that the product is attracting viewers, making news, no question, converting golf fans, not yet. But, but this play by the Saudis may be as much about devaluing the PGA Tour and forcing them to the negotiating mm. table, as Todd referenced, as it is about improving their standing. Uh, if they can get to Rahm, they can get to a lot of guys. Yeah, if they can get to John Rahm, I think that uh, that doorway is open. And you think about what happened over the summer when this was announced, this framework agreement back in June, the end of litigation. In July, it was the U.S. Justice Department that, you know, urged the tour and PIF to remove that provision that would have prevented them from even recruiting other players from either tour. And that was struck down, leaving the door open for this potentially to happen. But for him to go from using words like fealty, I mean, that's that's medieval. That's Game of Thrones type of yeah. loyalty to an organization, to potentially being on the doorstep, to signing with what was at one time a rival circuit. That is quite a turnabout. Uh, this is a blow for Jay Monahan, the commissioner, mm. though perhaps he will pull a last-second deal out of the hat. On top of all of this, there are reports that tournament sponsors on the PGA Tour asked to pony up more money to keep the tour competitive are unhappy that charities may suffer in all of this again I go back to bottom line uh, feels like the bottom is falling out for professional golf and specifically the PGA Tour um, and this is hurting reputations all over the place yeah. and there's still so much that is unknown including this December 31st deadline does the news of today and the potential of John Rahm leaving the PGA Tour as you say does it compel the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan to make a deal? Does it give Piff even more of an upper hand in this situation? So many unknowns as to what's going to happen in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, not good for any sport. You know this, Damon, having covered it all for yeah. the New York Times and Sports Illustrated to have uh, great players over here playing in one league yeah. and then great players over there yeah. in another league. AFL, NFL, NBA, ABA, eventually those entities, those once rival factions ended up merging to become one. Julius Irving, as you know, was an ABA star with the Virginia Squires. But the golf world is stronger when you have the best players on the same playing field. It brought some intrigue to the Masters Tournament when we saw Brooks Kepka side by side with John Rahm. But does this further, you know, put these two factions apart or will it bring them closer together? We don't know if this is a leverage play, if this is a chess move, or if this is something else. Uh, this is a massive disruption. Mm. And the Saudis have muscled their way in uh, with uh, ungodly amounts of money, is, is the best way you can, you can say it. So when we come back, we're going to hear from some PGA Tour players about this developing situation. Uh, reports coming out that Rom is set to announce that he will go to live. Much more on golf today as we continue. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? 
Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This would undoubtedly be a blow to lose the Masters champion to live after losing the 2022 Open champion, Cameron Smith. Think back, when Liv first appeared, the prevailing sentiment was that if they did not have access to the majors, it wouldn't get off the ground. For a variety of reasons, it did not happen. Every major, remember, is a separate entity from the PGA Tour. Amy Rogers is in Naples, Florida, covering the Grant Thornton. It's a mixed team event, PGA and LPGA Tour professionals. Amy, what's uh, some of the reaction you're getting down there? Hey there, Rich. Well, as you mentioned, practice rounds are underway here ahead of the Grant Thornton Invitational, which gets underway here uh, tomorrow. So all players were out uh on the course when news of this uh, Wall Street Journal story broke about uh, John Rahm's departure for live. So as I approached players, I was the first to inform them uh, about this report. And the first player I spoke to uh, was Jason Day. He said he was well aware of the rumors involving uh, Rahm potentially going to live, as well as some other players uh, whose names he did not mention. I also spoke with Justin Rose, who told me if, in fact, these reports do turn out to be true, that Rahm is, in fact, leaving the PGA Tour for live, he said he didn't feel like it was a good indication of how the negotiations must be going between the PGA Tour and the PIF. Here's more from both Day and Rose on the reaction to today's report. I think if, if there was ever a person to go across, it'd probably be him. Just um, just because he's got, you know, at least the next five years of majors. Um, he's got, what, Augusta for the rest of his life and then um, his US Open. I'm not sure how long the exemption is, if, it, if it's five or ten years, but, like, it's... He's in the majors for the next five years. I think um, if there was someone that was a good candidate, it would probably be him. And I understand that some guys do it for um, the money, and majority of the time it is for the money, um, which I have no problem with. Um, it's just a little bit unfortunate that we, you know, that we're going to lose one. Um, and I think it would have been nice to be able to get past, you know, this deadline and and see where things, you know, kind of, I guess, fell um, before he could make a decision. But um, I can't fault him for, you know, making a decision for himself and for his family as well. Are you surprised to see a player now still going on to live after the sort of agreement that was being reached between the PIF and the PGA Tour? Um, see, I'm I'm kind of out of the scene. I kind of just keep my head down a little bit. But I, I think it's just hard because you, you just know that there is opportunity. If you're a good player, there is opportunity to go elsewhere like live. Mm-hmm. Um, for a significant amount of money, and everyone has a number, um, unfortunately, uh, in, in in these cases. But um, I just I wish him nothing but the best. I think I'm going to be seeing him at majors, um, if he and that's if he does go. I'm um, obviously you know Wall Street Journal uh, saying that it's pretty much a done deal. Um, you know you never know what happens until it actually happens. But um, yeah, I think. A lot of things have played out and I just, for me to kind of assume certain things, it's just hard to kind of give my full, you know, opinion um, just based off, you know, just the limited information that I have.
I mean, that suddenly feels very real. Obviously, someone like the Wall Street Journal doesn't dive in on stories without a lot of thought and background, I suppose. Like you'd, 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 ho you'd hope anyway. And obviously, there's been a ton of chatter amongst the guys out here. And, um, yeah, John's a huge coup for, for Liv, obviously, and a huge blow for the PGA Tour. And, you know, it definitely comes at a very interesting time when I think there's a lot of negotiations happening at the moment, right? I think we know that there's some type of 31st of December deadline amongst talks between PJ Tour and whoever it may be, you know, you know, potential investors into the tour and, you know, merger talks and all these things that I think are quite confusing for people from the outside looking in about why this is all kind of going down. But, um, yeah, so you can look at it both ways that maybe things are not going well on one side of things and... Uh, the recruiting is starting pretty hard again on on, on that. So yeah, it's obviously it's a, it's a, it's a big it's a big statement and a big news and um, yeah, tough 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 for the PJ Tour to lose to lose Rambo for sure. Do you think this is going to be the first of more to come? I got no idea. I mean, there are other rumours out there, and I've spoken to some of the other named rumours, and that they don't you know they're playing it very straight, and you know they they do seem rumours. So I don't know where the truth lies. You know, until and obviously this is still hasn't we haven't heard from John. So at the end of the day, until you truly, truly, truly see it with your own eyes, I think all of these rumours for two years now, they've been, they've been rife. And I think until you see it with your own eyes, it's best not to believe too much. But obviously, you've got to give some credibility to someone like the Wall Street Journal and at least, at least uh, discuss it. Well, as you heard from both players there, both Jay and Rose acknowledging that there continue to be rumors that swirl about players uh, potentially leaving the PGA Tour for Liv as well. And as Rose said, he thinks that Rom's departure could potentially be just the first in what could be the next wave of departures as this deadline between the PGA Tour and the PIF to reach an agreement is rapidly approaching. Guys? Amy Rogers in Naples with some strong thoughts from a couple of former Oof. world number ones and major champs and Jason Day and Justin Rose. We now turn to our colleague Johnson Wagner, a three-time winner on the PGA Tour. I know you've been following this story this morning. Johnson, what's your reaction to the report that John Romby on the doorstep of Live Golf? Well, I, I'm very much like Justin Rose and Jason Day. I, I'm not going to believe this until I hear it straight from John Rahm himself. Uh, I'm an optimist that way. This would be a humongous loss for the PGA Tour. John Rahm is one of the most likable, watchable. We like him because he's fiery. He shows his emotions. He can be a little raw sometimes. I like the way he speaks in press conferences. And to the point, like, the way he's talked even up until the Tour Championship, even at the DP World Tour Championship, he's given us no indication that this is happening it's all speculation and I'm waiting until he actually says it. Johnson you're a proud member of the PGA Tour three times a winner. What's the state of your tour right now? I think since the, the, the Delaware meeting at the BMW Championship last season, I think a lot of the, the top players on the PGA Tour have a lot of control with what's going on with the Tour. I think there needs to be a little more cohesiveness with the powers that be and the players and really get to the bottom and figure this thing out. Rally the troops, so to speak. Whether or not Jay Monahan at the top of that is the right person, I don't know at this moment. Johnson, I don't hear a whole lot of allegiance in the interviews with Jason and, and Justin to your Tour. Um, is it fair to say that it's a mess right now? It, it, it's an absolute mess. I think since that June 6th meeting, a lot of players are having a, a big issue with the upper management at the PGA Tour, including the commissioner himself. And until we get someone in there that can really rally us together as a group, I think you're going to see more of this coming. Johnson, John Rahm is such a huge name in our game. If he is on the doorstep of leaving the PGA Tour... 
What kind of message will that send to, to, the, to the rank and file, to some, some other players? Would this open the door to more, to more potential defections in your mind? I would have to think so. I mean, just the conversations we've been having today, what's to say some other top 10, top 15 players won't just slide? If this is true, uh, some other players might just slide in right behind him, let John Rahm get all the publicity, and they can be, as someone said to me earlier, a footnote in this whole story. But uh, I, I, like I said, I'm holding off all judgment until I hear it from John Rahm himself. Everything he said in the past about Liv and the way he feels about their competition, he doesn't like the competition. He doesn't like the structure, the team golf. So I'm waiting. I'm going to stay patient, and I'm staying optimistic. Uh, you need stars in, in modern sports, and stars need a lot of money. I mean, that's clear as day right now. So how do you keep the stars if you're in against a group uh, that doesn't need a traditional ROI return on investment uh, where the money doesn't pencil that just the money just you can't compete. Jay said it a year or so ago if it's a financial arms race they're going to lose. So how how do you compete for the stars that you know as a league you need. You hope for them to speak the way John Rahm has spoken over the last two years about winning Torrey Pines in, in, in Muirfield Village at Jack's event, Arnie's event at Bay Hill. John has spoken that he plays for legacy. Those wins mean something, and he's won at most of those places. And I, as of right now, winning on the Live Tour does not improve your legacy as a professional golfer. So you need players that truly believe in the value of the PGA Tour and aren't playing for money, as John has spoken about as well. They're playing for pride. They're playing to win championships. And you just have to hope that in, in the coming weeks, months, years, that this is all going to shake itself out and we're going to have professional golf, everybody playing together at the highest level more often, not just the four times at the majors. Johnson, are you concerned about the message being sent to, to the young aspiring golfers, maybe high school players, AJGA players, and the conversation around this game about money over the last couple of years. Uh, Damon, that is, un that is extremely well said, yes, because the amount of money, the <laughs> The amount of money that these guys are playing for on live is not real. It is not what professional golfers are worth. Even what the PGA Tour is starting to put out is clearly not a sustainable model. Tiger, you know, accelerated the level of which professional golfers were played, so guys like me were able to have really good careers and stay under the radar. But this is not reality. You look back at the generation of Jack, Lee Trevino, Tom Watson. These guys had to win to put food on the table for their families. They have been the real trendsetters in prof professional golf, and right now it's just. It's, it's a clown show, to be honest. It's not reality. Um, what's your sense as to how tournament sponsors are feeling about all this on the PGA Tour? Uh, well, you guys said it earlier. They're frustrated. They're being asked every year to keep putting up bigger and bigger purses. And now, with the signature event structure, they're being asked to almost double their, in, their investment into the event. And I think guys are uh, sponsors ladies are getting sick of paying that bill and for what what are you getting we don't have necessarily the top 50 players in the world anymore aren't pga tour members and especially if you lose a guy like this what is everybody paying for what are you getting for your money this is a fast moving story isn't it mm -hmm. it is uh, johnson wagner thank you thank you guys uh, two quotes stand out one mm. from justin rose john is a huge coup for live Huge blow for the PGA Tour. And then Jason Day, like Rose, Let former world number one, says everyone has a number. Legacy has a number. Yeah, it's the numbers that I wrote down as well. Right. Everyone and has a number. Even those that we thought were untouchable. Right. And that there was no number that would perhaps uh, shake them. Now we wait, we hope, to, to hear from Tiger mm. and Rory, who we think remain pro PGA Tour. By the way, 
the rollback that dominated news yesterday has taken a back burner. <laughs> how about how that? quickly? What a newsy week it has been in the game of golf. The USGA and RNA announcing a universal rollback of the golf ball on Wednesday. What did a Kushnet have to say? That's coming up next. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet? Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. USGA and RNA announcing yesterday the much-anticipated golf ball rollback, reducing driving distances on the PGA Tour by an estimated 9 to 15 yards beginning in 2028. The overall distance standard, ODS, will be adjusted in 2028 for the elite game via the revised testing conditions, which will increase from the current standard of 120 miles per hour swing speed equivalent to 176 miles per hour ball speed to 125. That's 183 mile per hour ball speed with a sustained maximum distance of 317 yards. So here now, the overview, keep in mind for uh, all of you out there, recreational players, uh, it's ways off. It doesn't go into effect until 2030. And recreational players are expected to lose five yards and maybe less. Yesterday, Damon and I had a chance to talk about all of this with Martin Slumbers of the RNA and Mike Wan of the USGA. I think you both know this, but I'm not sure all of your viewers do. We've been, uh, we've been together with the RNA testing golf balls uh, for conformance for over 50 years. And uh, all the way back to 1976, when we set up that test, it was designed to replicate the fastest uh, uh, players in the game. Uh, we've updated that test numerous times, 1980, 2002, 2004, but it's been 20 years since we've updated that test. And there is virtually no denying, although some will try, there is no denying what's happened to distance in the last 20 years and, quite frankly, 20 before that. In 2000, um, the longest players on the tour, which is the most robust data, were 20 yards longer than they were in 1980. And when you jump from 2000 to 2023, uh, it's another 20 yards longer. So an average of about a, about a yard a year, and that's been kind of the pace. So when we look back at our test, we realized that we were testing ball speeds of 176 miles an hour. When you take the top 25 players on tour this year, 2023, and, and uh, you take their ball speed over the course of a whole season, they average 183 miles an hour. So our test was built at 176, which back in 2002 and 2004 was believed to be kind of the, the criteria for longest players in the game. So in this change that we've recommended and we're moving forward with in 2028, we'll be ball testing at 183, 125 mile an hour club head speed, which in this case will generate 183. So there'll be no doubt that over the next week, days, years, They'll be alarmist and there'll be people screaming about distance losses that are just quite frankly unfounded relative to the truth. As Martin said, this is going to have a zero to five yard impact on the driver of, of our average recreational golf, depending on how much ball speed they can generate. I say zero because about a third of the golf ball models that are already on our conforming list today 
will still be on our conforming list in 2028. So if you're a golfer who's already playing that front tee and you're using a ball to kind of help you get as much as your game as you can, that ball is more than likely to still be approved in 2028. And so we would see zero impact. But uh, even if you go to something different, we're talking about something less than, uh, you know, less than five yards on your driver and we see no impact from five iron down, no matter what level player we're seeing. So I just don't want the alarmist to take over the day. Um, we've been from the very beginning, and Martin's been the loudest to his credit, from every time, every meeting, every call, every proposal, if it had an impact on the, on the recreational game that we thought could reduce the, either the excitement, the joy, or the desire to play this game, it's been off the table. And with more reaction to yesterday's news about the golf ball, we once again welcome Amy Rogers from Naples, Florida. Thanks, Damon. Well, members of the PGA Tour have known for months that this possible rollback was coming to the sport, which gave them some time to do some testing to see what sort of effect this modified ball would have on their game ahead of this announcement uh, being made official here yesterday. Well, Keegan Bradley is one of those players that reportedly did some testing with a modified ball, and he said that he lost between 40 and 50 yards off the tee. Well, Bradley isn't the only one that has been doing some testing on the PGA Tour. Yesterday, I spoke with Lucas Glover, who's been doing some testing of his own, and I had a chance to ask him what sort of effects he's seen in working with this modified ball and get his reaction to yesterday's news. Seems reactive. Um, I think we could have fixed all this 15, 20 years ago with different things, but uh, it's not the way it happened. So, you know, we'll see. Have you done any testing with the modified golf ball and seen how it would potentially impact your game? Yeah, yeah, I did. A few weeks back, we were testing some new product um, for the next couple of years and then did some, um, did some that possibly Strixon Cleveland Golf may use. Um, yeah, it was significant, really significant. And it was a bit of a windy day uh, when we were doing it, so it was even more significant. Um, but yeah, it was uh, uh, it was eye-opening for sure. I think I hit a couple of really good drives that flew about 242. Um, I'm not the longest hitter, but uh, I hit it further than that. So um, yeah, pretty significant. What do you think about this decision to make the rollback universal rather than just having it target a particular section of the game? Uh, I think it stinks for the weekend warrior. You know, they they don't hit it far enough anyway. Um, all we've done is build longer and longer golf courses, and now we're going to have a shorter and shorter ball. So um, are we going to tear up a bunch of new tees that we've built over the last 20 years, or um, are we going to hit four irons into all the par fours? I don't know. Um, but for for the everyday player at home, I think it's I don't think it's a great idea. Um, but I don't count. I don't have a vote, and it doesn't matter. So. Well, the women on the LPGA tour will just begin that testing process now as they only found out this week that this universal rollback will now be affecting them as well. I did speak with Brittany Lincecum, who was a three-time leader in driving distance on the LPGA tour, and she told, she told me she was pretty shocked at the numbers that Bradley was reportedly losing and testing out that modified ball, and she expects to see a far greater reduction in distance when she begins testing as well than what the USGA is estimating, saying that they expect the women uh, at the elite level of the game to only lose between five and seven yards under this new rule. 
Amy Rogers reacts from some of the players at the Grant Thornton down in Naples, Florida. Now, Akushnet, whose principal brands include Titleist and FootJoy, released this statement on Wednesday evening. We support the position of the PGA Tour and others that there are many areas of focus at the elite level, including initiatives related to golf course setup and conditioning and other competitive variables, which, if desired, can limit the effects of distance while also providing the opportunity for a diverse skill set to succeed at the highest level. Not all sports have endured from generation to generation the way golf has endured, and the governing bodies deserve credit for having effectively balanced the forces of tradition and technology. This has helped to preserve golf's unified appeal and values while encouraging innovation that has helped to make the sport more relevant and enjoyable. We believe that further collaboration and cooperation with the RNA, USGA, and other stakeholders is critical prior to moving forward with such a significant equipment regulation change. We continue to advocate for stakeholders to convene to have a meaningful examination of this decision and its consequences and to discuss alternatives as we look to protect golfers' enjoyment of the game and the health of golf courses around the world to ensure golf's promising future. Uh, Damon Akushnet, we all know, is a great company. Pure Golf, they have worked diligently and intelligently for 90 years to become mm. the dominant player in the golf ball market. I think it's understandable that they would push back on anything that might threaten that. Other companies might see an opportunity to reset the golf ball market so they might be more compliant uh, with the new new standards. I think we sort of sensed some of that in the statements we, we heard yesterday from some of the other companies. I expected a stronger pushback from some of the equipment manufacturers. I thought yesterday's tone was relatively measured, even if some of the companies were disappointed. The, the, the major theme was that they would comply, find a way to innovate, do things differently, continue to go back to work with their R&D departments and find a way to continue to make great products for the consumers out there. Uh, you spoke with some of your PGA professional pals who service the game that we all love. What did you come away with? What did they tell you? Yeah, these are the folks that are on the lesson tees mm -hmm. trying to, to spread the gospel of the game. And I spoke to a couple of them yesterday, one telling me that people don't want things taken away from them, even if it's only the appearance of taking things away from them. Another PGA professional telling me, do you know what everyone wants when they come to stand on my lesson tee? They want distance. They thought that the timing was bad considering where the game is a little bit fractious right now. People tired of the headlines. And, and the majority of PGA professionals I talked to yesterday were looking for a different path forward than addressing the golf At ball. At some point, I think the PGA professionals are going to have to snap out of that, push mm. a more positive message to their golfers. To, you know, hey, we'll put a good plan together for the offseason. We'll get you flushing your irons, rolling the rock. Uh, distance, don't worry about it. We're going to add a little speed. And I, we, we all know that the best way to get better is with better technique matched with the great equipment that, that so many of these companies are Hard to out. do. Over the last 20, 25 years, you turn on Golf Channel, you watch PGA Tour coverage. Distance has been the great panacea in this game, and that, that goes down to the 15 and 20 handicap. The PGA professionals I talked to, and I think you're right, you know, short game, make some putts. There's other ways to get great scores. But distance, distance, distance has been the mantra of this game over the last couple of decades. I would trade right now 10 yards, and I'm getting shorter and shorter, but I would trade 10 yards to be able to hit better iron shots. Crisp, solid, 
consistent iron shots and be able to, to execute the short game. I'd give you 10 yards right now because that's the area of the game that cost, that personally, that cost me. I'll give you 15 if I can get out of a bunker <laughs> in one. <laughs> I'll tell you that, short game, short game, short yeah, game. No question. Absolutely. Uh, in any event, uh, where the governing bodies are concerned, we have to point out that while Akushnet is, is hoping for more dialogue, this is final, correct? Yeah, this is final. The comment mm -hmm. period has ended. But we'll continue to follow this yeah. story as the day rolls on. More discussion as well on the former world number one and the reigning Masters champ. The report by the Wall Street Journal. He is on the doorstep of joining Live Golf. Big news of the day is that the Wall Street Journal reporting that one of the great players in the game, John Rahm, set to leave the PGA Tour and sign with Live Golf. More on the story coming up on Golf Today. Golf Today. Damon Hack and Rich Lerner back with you as we tackle the news of the day. The Wall Street Journal reporting that the two-time major champ, reigning Masters champ, and former world number one John Rahm set to leave the PGA Tour and sign with Live Golf. For more on this story, let's welcome in GolfChannel.com senior writer Rex Hoggard. Rex, what are you hearing? Well, this goes back to last week when these rumors really started, Damon. And, and when I talk to people who are involved with these negotiations, despite which side they're on, they look at what this could possibly be as nothing more than leverage for the public investment fund. If they were able to sign a top player like a John Rahm, that would clearly motivate the PGA Tour to come back to the table. And it goes back to what I heard from a lot of different people on the Live Golf side in October at their tour championship at Doral. They felt like that the negotiations had pretty much fallen apart. Now we fast forward to where we we are right now. As Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, said last week on CNBC, he intended to meet with the governor of the public investment front this week. I don't think the timing is suspect here. I think you can look directly at this announcement as far as we get closer to it and, and connect those to the ongoing negotiations. Rex, what do you think this means for the PGA Tour? Rich, I kind of pointed this out in a column on Monday. I talked to a lot of people who are involved with these negotiations, and I think it comes down to four options for the PGA Tour. And you can get kind of long-winded with this, but if you look at it, the Tour can move forward either with some sort of deal with just the public investment front, and that comes with a lot of pros and some cons as well. Or they could go with one of the three private equities that are still remaining and are still in conversations with the PGA Tour. Again, there's a lot of, a lot of pros and cons when it comes to that. But everyone I talked to pointed the best case scenario right now for the PGA Tour is to go into business with some sort of combination between the private equity, whichever one of the three remaining, and the public investment fund. Now, that takes care of a lot of problems. Right now, you look at the Department of Justice investigation into possible antitrust violations is probably the biggest concern if you just go it alone with the PIF. If there's some sort of other private equity involved, that would help with those investigations. And you're also looking at what I was called patient money. What they want is a long-term investment. They don't want this to be the normal 10-year investment that you see with these types of investments. They want this to be almost like a lifetime deal. That would be the best case scenario. Now, the fourth option, which really isn't an option at all, that's for the tour to do nothing. And we all know that that's really not possible right now. From what you're hearing, Rex, I mean, John Ron, one of the biggest names in the game, is there concern perhaps with the PGA Tour that this could be, you know, the first or the latest of a flood of players to leave the PGA Tour for live. 
I think that's certainly the case. I think that's certainly been the case all along. You go back to June 6, the framework agreement had it written in that the East side could not, quote unquote, poach any more players. Then that was taken out of the framework agreement. That is certainly because of the Department of Justice didn't like the wording of that. And you look at where we are right now in the investigations. And from what we're hearing, it's just not going to be John Rahm, that there's the possibility that he could take a team with him. And from what I was told from the Live Golf side, they have room for two more teams. So in theory, you could look at another wave of players leaving the PGA Tour to go to live golf. And that's certainly something that the PGA Tour does not want to have to wrestle with right now. So again, you can see why this is such, this has the potential to be such an important leverage play for the public investment fund. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> hard to wrap your head yeah. around all that yeah. is happening in professional golf at the moment. Mm. And uh, Rex, thank you. We'll uh, continue to uh, monitor what's happening and wait for your reports. Uh, with the news circulating around the world of golf that John Rahm is potentially leaving the tour for Live Golf, it is worth noting that Rahm has shown signs at times of being disappointed in the tour's plans moving forward. This is what he had to say at the Tour Championship in 2022. John, the 20 late events next year, is that asking a little bit more of the European players considering you have to play four? The what, sir? The, the 20 elite events next year. 20 elite? Well, the, the elevated events, the new schedule. 20? Well, the 12 and the four majors, the players. Oh, uh, well, I mean, majors and players and players don't really count, do they? I mean. Is that asking a little bit more of the European guys considering you have to play four for the Ryder Cup? Well, we have to play all of them. Play all of the 20? If we have to play all those 20, then yeah, 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. Yeah. Because that puts me in a difficult position having to play. If I don't play, if I go play in Europe in the fall like I'm going to, I have to play from January till August 20 times. Uh, I think this is my 17th from January, and I don't think I could add any more. So, yeah, I mean, especially with Ryder Cup and having to play four in Europe, yeah, that's, uh, I think it's a bit of an ask. And I wouldn't be surprised if they revise uh, a bit of a rule or make an exception for some players. Yeah. But if they do it for players like me and Rory, they might have to do it for everybody. So. Yeah, thank you. You know something we know? In what sense? In terms of changing the policy? <laughs> me? No. <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. If you want to know about that stuff, you know who, who of the two players you have to ask. With, with a smile, <laughs> yeah. you know, expressing this idea that maybe he's been sort of left out while Rory at that time uh, was front-facing you know, in, in all the negotiations, and now Tiger. Yeah, I mean, John Rahm has not always been in lockstep. He's felt a little bit left out of those discussions and not always on the same side, even with issues like uh, the European Ryder Cup team and, and Rory saying those guys shouldn't be back and John Rahm saying, but what about Sergio and what he's meant to the European Ryder Cup team. So there has been some daylight between John Rahm and some of the other, you know, big fish in this game. And maybe that's part of this story as well, that, that John Rahm doesn't always feel like his voice has carried equal weight. And think about what other voices might have been in his ear over the last year or so. Not just Sergio, his good friend, but Phil Mickelson, represented by the same company, Sport 5. Yes. And not to mention one of the great mentors of John Rahm, going back to John Rahm's college days, having played for Phil Mickelson's brother and now caddy Tim Mickelson. So they have mm -hmm. tremendous history together. What does it mean for the Ryder Cup? One of the many unanswered questions is the future 
of the Ryder Cup and who will be allowed to play and who will not, depending on where these negotiations go between uh, the DP World Tour, for example, who's a part of this right. agreement as well. Mm -hmm. So many unknowns. And maybe he's going to say, you know what, I'll worry about that in a couple years from now. Who knows what professional golf in the landscape will look like by the time we arrive to Bethpage Black in two years' time. Um, what do you think this does to Rom's image? I tell you, it's interesting. I do think that for someone who was so strong in his words uh, about fealty to the PGA Tour, it has to make some scratch their heads and, and wonder, what was that all about? Where was the strength of words, the, the, the talk about money not mattering? I have, I have enough. I don't need to worry about that. It will definitely make some people, I imagine, do a double take when it comes to John Rahm. And, and with all the pressure now being brought to bear on the PGA Tour, you wonder if there isn't some sort of a, a Hail Mary uh, mm. from, from Jay Monahan uh, at this point. I know there's a school of thought that says, go, you won't be missed. Yeah. And I referenced that earlier, that you know, Brooks and Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau, who was you know, pretty close to the peak of his popularity yeah. when he left, have largely been forgotten because, you know, they're playing in other time zones and they just haven't gained any traction. Um, as there's a lot to get to. Uh, we'll wait to find out if he's, you know, signed on the dotted line or if this mm. is just a leverage play that perhaps drives the PJ Tour, you know, back to the table or closer to what the public investment fund wants.